Hey, I hope you're having a good day. This is Elon, and today I've got Carrie with me. And uh, to give Carrie a quick introduction, uh, Carrie is an award-winning holistic therapist and coach with over 20 years' experience in the work of lifestyle and wellness using healing modalities such as reflexology, EFT, aromatherapy, and mostly clinical hypnotherapy and NLP now to help clients heal and remedy the root cause of their issues, ailments, fears, and phobias. Carrie has helped thousands of men, women, and children worldwide overcome a wide range of mental, physical, and emotional situations with natural healing modalities from her holistic toolbox. Carrie Swain, very welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm really well. The sun is shining. It's Friday. It's bank holiday. <laughs> There's nothing to complain about. Good stuff. Nice. It's nice and sunny here too. I just went out for a quick walk, but no bank holiday in Ireland, unfortunately. Oh. Um, but you've got three bank holidays in May for this year in the UK, right? Yeah, I think we've 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 also had three in the last few weeks. So yeah. But some of us still work. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a hard thing to to juggle, isn't it? When you're self-employed, it's like okay, there's an extra day off, but it's really like I need to cram five days of work into four days. Yeah, I can't complain. I'm getting good at the balance. I'm getting quite good at the balance, you know, so it's it's always a work in progress. Good stuff. And, um, you know, I was really, um, you know, looking forward to um, speaking with you today because I'm really interested to find out more about like hypnotherapy and, and stuff like that because, um <laughs> my the way that I've always thought about hypnotherapy is like I used to watch a little Britain a lot when I was younger so there's always that scene where he's like three two one back in the room <laughs> so hypnotherapy for me has always had that association which is I know really stupid um so you know I'm really interested to find out like how does hypnotherapy work and and like you know how do you like approach things with you know everybody that you work with Okay, so if I if I basically tell you, give you an analogy how we are as humans, and I always use the iPhone as an analogy. So when you buy a brand new iPhone, it's useless to you. You need to plug it into a computer or a laptop for it to download the apps so you can work it, so you can go on your Facebook, your LinkedIn. You know, those are programs for your iPhone. So when we are born we're a blank canvas. The baby is born and they have no apps. So we need to plug into something to download our apps, our programming, and we plug into a family unit. So we learn our behaviours, our beliefs are uh, downloaded from our surroundings. Now, if you think if you are born into a chaotic, dysfunctional family with loads of trauma and chaos and bad habits and addictions... What do you think that child, that baby is going to grow up to be like? So this is, this is where we have to unlearn everything that we've been taught in our younger years to kind of self-soothe, put some common sense into what's going on in our life, to heal the trauma, um, because we all have trauma. For example... I had a session a few months ago and I was going through a bit of a rough time, maybe six or seven months ago. And I thought, right, I need to correct this. 
and straight to hypnotherapy because I'm, I'm a patient person. I want it done and dusted. Straight to hypnotherapy, went to a colleague and she, it's the emotion that we feel that is the trigger. So not events, it's the emotions. So she said, when, did, when was the very first time you felt like this? And actually it was birth, it was being born. So I had this flash image of me being born when I've been all cozy in the womb for nine months. And then I'm <gasps> out there and I was like, <gasps> and it was lack of support. So my emotional body had linked to the lack of emotional support that I was experiencing seven months ago to the day that I was born. That is how amazing our brain, our body, our psyche is. It had locked it into my nervous system and a situation seven months ago in my early 40s had been triggered. So when, we, when I work with a client, I need to close down their chatterbox thinking analytical brain. And I do that in a meditation. So put them into hypnosis, into a nice, lovely, relaxed state, feeling good. The chatterbox thinking brain closes down and the subconscious mind opens up. The subconscious mind has no common sense. It takes things very literally and um, has got no sense of humour. So if I was to say to you, um, say if you were a smoker and you came to me for stopping smoking and I said to you, look at that packet. Look at, look at this person's lungs on the front, front of this packet of cigarettes. In your conscious, everyday thinking brain, you'll bat it off and you'll just go, that's not going to happen to me. But once the subconscious is open up, I can show you that cigarette packet or I can tell you what's going to happen. Your subconscious mind takes things very literally. And that is why I get results. So they come and have a nice relaxing um, meditation, open up the subconscious. And basically what I'm doing is I'm reprogramming the apps. I'm deleting the apps and reinstalling them. So if you think of me like a mechanic, I open up the hood, I tinker about with what's going on, put it down and the car works perfectly. Nice. Yeah, it's a really good analogy to use. And um, yeah, I think the, the programming, uh, you know, when you explain it like that, it's kind of easy to comprehend because, you know, we all, most of us have computers and, and phones nowadays, and they all come with a certain programming and they do certain things. Um, so, yeah, I always like when you said that, I was thinking of like, you know, the film, The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, I always think that's a really good analogy of how it's just like, you know, we're programmed to, to think and do certain things. But a lot of us don't realize that it does actually go back to our inner child. Like I'm, I'm reading a book on that exact topic. I'm on like chapter two or three at the moment. And, you know, it's amazing how when you have all of these experiences or, you know, traumas, and obviously we can talk more about trauma. Trauma doesn't have to be a you know, you're in a war or, you know, some really bad thing happened to you. Someone was murdered or something. Trauma can be small things or, you know, um, things that you might think are insignificant. But it's amazing how, like, as adults, we're kind of, you know, all of that trauma or things that we've gone through as a child, we've locked away in our, our you know, unconscious or our subconscious mind. So it's, you know, a really yeah. cool topic. I'll give I'll give you an example of we always presume that trauma is massive. Like you've you've been you know you've been in the military and you've seen a few things, or you have got divorced, or there's been child abuse. If you think most 
most of my clients, when I regress them and we find out where some of the trauma comes from, a lot of the time it could be left at nursery. Now, if I had my time again, that that I would not, I would not leave my baby with a stranger <laughs> at nursery. What am I doing to her? I mean, I know we all have to work and we all have to um, get on in life and it's good for them to be independent and learn um, how to be independent. But there is, there is a massive amount of clients that, it's their first day at school, it's nursery, it's in their playpen or their cot and the crying at one year old trying to get mum's attention and she's on the phone. Our emotional um, intelligence develops so much quicker than our, um, our like cognitive intelligence. So when a child is experiencing trauma, um, be that, say, let's, let's use the, the nursery, abandonment, Okay, it locks in the nervous system. So they, their body will be flooded with cortisol and adrenaline and it'll be very stressed. And maybe they'll be sick because they're crying all the time. That locks in unless it's remedied and self-soothed, okay? You keep repeating that and the body is so clever, the mind is so clever that it will create illness, dysfunction, dis-ease, okay? Now... A lot of the time, um, we blame our parents for how we are, you know. They're doing the best they can with what they've got because you've got to think of their upbringing as well. So, you know, I mean, I said something to my daughter yesterday and I cringed after and I thought, Carrie, you shouldn't have that. So I had to quickly counterbalance that and put that right and do better next time. We're all human and it's all positive intent, you know. We drop our kids off at nursery because we want them to be... Um, sociable and learn skills and learn and be independent from us but I personally would do things completely differently now I know what I know mm -hmm. later in life sometimes that trauma if you're in a relationship that ends it can activate the very first time that baby or that child has been abandoned at nursery mm -hmm. yeah so many so many interesting topics to dig into so the first thing that I was thinking of was like uh when you said, you know, about things being passed on, it's like the idea of generational trauma is something that I learned from listening to uh, Gabor Mate's books and, and some of Bessel van der Kolk's books as well. And um, yeah, because it's very easy to get into like a victim mindset of like, oh, I am the way I am because of the way my mom or my dad or my someone in my family treated me. But then when you think like, imagine what it was like for them growing up and how they were treated by their parents or their family and because like in in my family you don't have to go too far back until literally like my grandparents parents would have grown up in the early 1900s in Ireland where you know there was a lot of abuse you know with like um you know Christian brothers uh schools and orphanages and like horrible things used to happen back then so you put yourself in like their shoes and now imagine the type of mindset they're in when they're trying to raise their kids is like, I think it gives you, for me anyway, it gives me a lot more understanding of like, wow, it's like, you know, they've been through a lot of shit and, you know, it's like. Yeah. Like, and, and it's cellular and, it, and, and it, you do, you do take it like ancestral, like you said, 
but I'm studying something called emotion code at the at the moment, which I've had myself that's cleared things that nothing else has. And sometimes it's from generations ago that's locked in our cells, it's in our DNA, so to speak. So it's clear stuff from great, 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 great grandparents five generations back. And I also, um, I don't know how woo woo your audience is, I believe in past lives. I believe in parallel lives. I believe in future lives because the client slipped into a future life the other day. I was like, oh, that's not happened before. So we're infinite, but we can't process it because we're in the 3D reality, the density of Earth at the moment. But I have clients bring forward, you know, when, when was the first time you felt like this? And sometimes it can be not this lifetime. So whether their brain's making an analogy and um, creating a parallel of what they're experiencing in this life, that's fine. You don't have to believe in past lives, but it'll still remedy the issue that they're facing in this life. You know, so we could we could go really far out and talk about some of the things that my clients have said that actually aren't believers, even in hypnotherapy. I'm like, well, why are you here then? You know, they come back every week and like, I don't believe in this, but I've not smoked and I've not eaten chocolate and I've not drank and I've lost half a stone and I don't feel any anxiety. I'm like, all right, you keep on being a not believer then. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there's, um, you know, the thing is like, as much as we know, there's still so little that we actually know and, and understand, you know, so it would be really, um, you know, it would be kind of silly to say like, oh, none of that is possible because even if you go back like 50 years ago, you know, like the iPhone or, you know, the Samsung Android wasn't possible back then, but it's possible now because we've evolved, you know, and so you can, like for me, like, I mightn't believe in stuff like that, but I would never say that it's not possible because I know, like, I know that's a lot of stuff that I don't know, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And, um, I was going to say about, you know, healing the, the inner child, like that's been a, a very powerful concept that's popped up for me over the last few years. Cause with the book that I'm listening to right now, you know, the guy who wrote it was just saying how, anytime you react or you you kind of do something that you know is um you know you're not really thinking about it it's just something that you 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 do without thinking and that kind of sudden reaction it's not really adult you it's like the inner child you and you're going back to that like early emotional state when you're younger when maybe you felt threatened or abandoned as you said or but it's an emotional reaction from the younger you not the, you know adult you I've been in um, confrontations with people let's say on a personal level and I've like kind of thought what what's going on here and they are not acting like a grown adult they're acting as their child self so it's interesting because I'll think oh you're acting from a place of around 14 or a 10 year old I can see it now because I know what I know um and the subconscious mind absolutely loves familiar patterns of behavior it loves habit because back in the day when we were cavemen living in packs, if you think we had to have structure and routine to keep us alive, we needed that um, that certainty, like getting up at the same time, um, hunting in the same place. We uh, Being unfamiliar is very uncomfortable to us. That's why it's so difficult to stop smoking, stop drinking, get up at six, do exercise. All those things are going to be really uncomfortable because you, you, you're working with 2% willpower. 
98% of your subconscious mind is driving the bus and the subconscious needs instruction and direction. Otherwise, it's going to run amok. You're going to smoke 20 fags a day, drink a bottle of wine, eat the cake, whatever your thing is, because it's keeping you in the familiar. But not just that, you're getting the dopamine hit or the, the, um, the fix, let's say, from something outside of yourself to self-soothe, you're numbing out. So when I work with clients, a lot of the time if they come for an injury, if they come with some an ailment, let's say an illness, an injury, an ache, pain, a fear of phobia, anxiety, depression, whatever that looks like to that client, how their issues, let's say, um, are presenting themselves. Um, you know, a lot of people start to have really negative self-talk. Now, I always say to my clients, your subconscious is always switched on and it's always listening. So I've got a friend and I laugh at her because she's always putting memes out there about being fat, broke, single. And she's always fat, broke and single because her subconscious mind is switched on. And yeah, she's really funny, but she's not helping herself. The subconscious is switched on, listening. So it will find proof that she is fat, broken, single. So we've got to be really careful. And would you speak to your children the way you speak to yourself? Like I have one client, and I'm going to do a, a, a session on this next time she comes and sees me. She'll she'll be horrible to herself, but it's, it, she's funny. But I'm like, you need to really watch how you speak to yourself. You need to watch your language. Because if I tell you what, if you spoke to me like that, <laughs> we speaking anymore why are you speaking to yourself like that and they don't earn and this is something that's been a light bulb moment for me recently they don't earn the signals from our body that are trying to get our attention the trapped nerve the sore throat the losing the voice the migraines the sickness the infertility our body is screaming at us because something's unresolved it's a language right so once we open up the subconscious and most people don't know where it's coming from, that's why they're so frustrated and that's why they're going to the doctor and banging their head against a brick wall because they're not getting anywhere because these are just suppressants, what we're prescribed. Once we tap into that, often that ailment, that ache, that pain, it just remedies itself because it's got our attention. The inner child has been screaming at us and actually connecting to your body. So I know a lot of people will take a pill if they've got a headache or they'll go and have an operation, or they'll have something removed. And I know that this is necessary in a lot of cases, but if you strip it back to basics, we have everything that we need inside of our mind and our body and on planet Earth in the way of herbs and natural medicine, if we try really hard to remedy most things. We've just forgotten who we are. And that isn't an accident. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, um, you know, when I started doing more like therapy and counseling and um, especially diving into Carl Jung's work and looking at, you know, the light and shadow or, you know, ego and um, different concepts like that. So I think it'd be good to delve into like the subconscious side of things, because I know when I started learning about it more, it was like, you know, it's kind of confusing. It's like, what is that? And so and obviously you can throw your two cents in but the way that I think about it now it's like subconscious is basically all the all the programming as you said that's that's in your mind so all the experiences that you've had in the past negative or positive that are now driving your behavior so anytime you do something so 
you mightn't be aware of it. So if if you're not aware of it, it's it's happening at a subconscious level. But a simple example would be when you feel stressed, the first thing that you go and do is start eating loads of food or use chocolate or, you know, go and smoke or, you know, have some alcohol or you're using that subconsciously as a way to manage the stress that you're feeling. But because you're not consciously aware of it, you don't know how to solve the problem. So the issue is the stress and where the stress is coming from, but you're suppressing it by using food or, you know, whatever, Xanax or Valium or drugs or whatever it is. So then you never get to the, it always stays at that subconscious level. So it's only like when you work with someone like yourself or a therapist or someone and you actually you know, talk about it and are like, okay, it's actually the, the alcohol is not the problem. The fact that I'm so stressed is, is the problem. And where is that coming from? So that's kind of like the, the easiest way that I think about having to describe something at a subconscious level. But um, what, what's your two cents in it? Or how would you kind of like, you know, explain it to clients? Okay. So this is what someone told me yesterday. Um, she's brilliant. I'll be doing a, a, a podcast and doing some work with her soon over the next few weeks. So what, watch out for it. She's into like cold water therapy, natural remedies, yoga teacher, breath work, all that kind of thing. She got into this because um, um, she, her partner has got PTSD from being in the military and a, a friend of hers committed suicide um, from the same thing. And there's more soldiers commit suicide more often than not after they come out than they die at, at war, you know. And we were discussing you know, the insanity sometimes of the medical profession. Again, there is a place for uh, medicines and natural um, and, and pharmaceuticals, but it seems to have like taken over and got out of hand recently. Now, how many doctors do you know that have moved from the mainstream medical profession into natural therapies healing with food exercise breath work yoga cold therapy there's quite a lot isn't there yeah especially um with people who practice functional medicine how many doctors do you know that have gone from the natural remedies into mainstream medicine <laughs> yeah pretty much zero <laughs> big fat zero what does that tell you yeah it's, it's very it's obvious is it? another another thing I went into my daughter's school the other day and I asked what they were doing for mindfulness because she didn't want to go to school. And as soon as she walked out, I took her into a violin lesson. As soon as she walked into the violin lesson, I was asking her, do you want me to do some tapping? She's like, no, mommy, I don't. Because she does what she don't want to take it off me. I'm too close. I'm, I'm a mom. So it really frustrates me that I can't tap her and, you know, I tell her to breathe and all the rest of it. And she just rolls her eyes at me. So too close. But I took her into school and as soon as she walked into a violin lesson, she said, oh, mommy, I've got sharp pain in my tummy. That pain would have been there. It's She's not making it up. Her, her body's been flooded with adrenaline and cortisol, a stress, a stress hormone, and it probably shut off her digestive system and she's feeling tightening in that area, right? So when I asked the teacher, what mindfulness are you doing? It was crickets. Why do we go to school? We go to school to learn. What's the most important thing we need in life to be able to self-regulate and self-soothe and not detach our mind from our body? We need to go inward. But she knows what a subordinate coordinate is in English 
and she knows things that she will never use in life, like algebra and trigonometry. And I know for a fact she will never use those. But the most important thing is the breath, how to self-regulate, how to self-soothe. And children aren't being taught this. So when they get to our age, we are younger than me, but when, when they get to be adults, how can they heal themselves? Do you know to go to the doctor? And the doctor says, okay, well, I'll write you a prescription for some anti-anxiety tablets. There's not, there's a few doctors that do refer people to me, but I had one doctor tell me that she wasn't allowed. Like she had to sneak to me for treatments, but she wasn't allowed. Now, I'm not saying every doctor is like that, but we've got to strip it back and get back to basics. You know, when have you seen a stressed out monk that goes within and meditates every day? You don't see it because the Zen-like, because it all comes from here, you know? So you know yourself, if you're nervous, your body's a chemistry set. It will start throwing out hormones for you to handle your fight, flight, freeze or fall response. We don't run away and we don't fight anymore. We sit in a chair at a laptop. And so the colleague next to us that really gets on our nerves and all this adrenaline and cortisol and these, all the stuff, the junk from the past that we haven't remedied and self-soothed because no one's taught us how to do it, we'll either get the sack because we've punched them or we'll go off on sick it's it, because that adrenaline, that cortisol isn't used. It's it's that in the body festering. Now, here's something interesting. I've worked with a lot of women who um, are in abusive relationships or they've left abusive relationships. Now, the first client that I did for, um, uh, I, I helped with, uh, it was an abuse case. Her ex-husband had passed away 10 years prior, but she was still living in fear and it was almost like she should have, she might as well have still been there with him, married. Now, because the subconscious loves familiar, it will keep replaying that. But not just that, the chemicals that your body releases, the hormones to put you in fight or flight to keep you safe, you get addicted to. So this is why a lot of people don't have patience with women that go back to abusive relationships. They're addicted to their own chemicals, but not just that. They're on this roller coaster of getting a hit from adrenaline and cortisol, but not just that. You dig into the past and it's familiar. You start speaking about the family dynamics or relationships I've had before sometimes, and it's familiar. Subconscious loves familiar. And you will prove, you will keep proving to yourself that this is true. And you will outsource people that are abusive to you to replay what you're trying to remedy. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. Like the, what I was thinking is like, you know, you kind of, you're, you're always going to attract the same people if you're engaging in the same behavior. So yeah. like yeah. if you, uh, I don't know, for example, if you meet somebody, uh, let's say, jujitsu or yoga or at a meditation retreat the type of you know quality relationship you're going to have with that person versus on a all weekend bender and ibiza <laughs> it's like two different you types of people <laughs> there's nothing wrong with either one but it's like realistically the people that you're doing mindful things with you know it's that type of relationship is going to be 
so much different in most cases obviously not all but yeah so it's like you're you're attracting a different type of person based on what you're doing essentially and it's interesting you bringing up relationships because they're our biggest teacher so what's ever unresolved in you it'll be reflected in your relationship definitely you know so and we also make other people responsible for healing us filling a void our happiness and it's absolutely not you know and it's so difficult to keep those boundaries within relationships you know and it's about two people coming together and holding each other maybe a little bit accountable and healing together growing together instead of you fix me you know if you're if you're walking around with a massive cut on your arm and you're bleeding you know it's not fair to take someone else's hand and put it on your wound to stop the bleeding same analogy that goes for the pharmaceutical industry you could put a big plaster but it needs more than that it needs cleaning out it needs it needs um healing and repairing and you'd rest the arm wouldn't you mm. you'd rest it you'd heal it you'd repair it you wouldn't like carry on in your everyday life and just leave that that band-aid blood pouring out all over looking for someone else to help you you've got to you've got to sort it yourself yeah, no, definitely. It's like the 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 healing level, um, whereas you would you would self-soothe remedy work on yourself and the work's lifelong, it's never finished. Mm -hmm. Um, and also not being codependent on someone to fix it for you. Yeah, definitely. I see a lot of people who are in relationships like that, and it's like um it's the same story and the same issues just repeating itself constantly. <laughs> Same romantic partner, different name. Yeah, or the same person who they've got back with just again and again and again, but it's constantly the same issues. <laughs> yeah, but everything, everyone comes into your life to teach you something, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, it's it's really interesting with the pharmaceutical industry of how, you know, I completely agree with you. Like, some people 100% do a lot better with support from, from certain drugs. And mm -hmm. that's fine but the, I think the underlying issue for for a lot of people is just the quick fix mindset of like oh yeah I'll just take this pill and that'll solve it and I don't need to do anything but it's like you said it's like you're literally putting a band-aid over an open wound it's not yeah. the issue it's just further you know pushing it down the line until it develops into something else it's about informed choice and informed consent as well I believe because um a doctor will um write your prescription or they will um refer you to a consultant to maybe have surgery i had a lady in yesterday and she's been with me years she's a she's a um a reflexology client that she comes every now and again now she has had severe psoriasis on her hands and feet for some time now and every week i try and convert her into natural therapies and natural remedies and x y and z and there's loads of other health issues going on on top of that and it's starting to become visible and noticeable. So I'm trying to plant seeds, X, Y, and Z. And I said, look, can I give you a colleague's number um, who's a naturopath, clinical um, nutritionist, homeopath, blah, 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 blah. And I just thought, I'm wasting my time. She's happy to go down the medical route. That's absolutely fine. But the, the consultant was going to give a medication to suppress her immune system to heal the psoriasis because the psoriasis was attacking her body. 
and I literally just looked at her and started to laugh and I said what and like I said to her and she said oh and they've told me that I'm more susceptible to get colds and flu when I'm there and I'm like where did the common sense go what if we boosted your immunity boosted your immune system and got you on an anti-inflammatory diet and we looked at your lifestyle and we got you meditating using essential oils coming for reflexology more often and find out where this psoriasis came from let's regress you in hypnosis yeah absolutely it's like i know um i know one guy who does a lot of like functional medicine and nutrition work and he has examples of uh clients that he's worked with and their psoriasis or any of their skin conditions have for the most part completely gone and and the issue underlying it was you know a gut health issue and then most likely what was causing the gut health issue was something to do with stress or some type of you know uh trauma or something that's gone on in the past um so i think the model is just like the wrong way around it's like the foundation of your health is literally you know sleep movement water food stress management uh self-care know how to manage you know different emotions when they pop up and then once you've done all of that and and all those boxes are ticked and your issue still isn't solved then yeah like look into getting some medication of some type but like nearly everybody that i've worked with there's always it's always just the basic things that they're not doing right it's like okay you you literally have been getting six hours of sleep for the last 10 years you've nearly been sleep deprived for the last 10 years like your energy is you know four out of ten i'm not surprised because you've literally been recharging your batteries halfway every night and now like i mean that's yeah. what what do you expect to happen you know it's like so if you get the basics right like it solves a lot of issues which is pretty amazing yeah so for yeah so for example like i was up at um quarter to six this morning breath work first of all meditation and i was actually listening to myself because i was just listening to a recording to make sure that i got it nailed down so i was listening to my own voice so meditation guided meditation i then uh, walked the dog on the park in the morning sun because if we get exposed to sun um at certain times of the day it gives us enough um sunscreen naturally for the rest up till two in the afternoon i think it is so um and then came home had a cold shower uh, did some journaling did some thought work and that's why i feel amazing today if i'd have slept in till eight o'clock nine o'clock not done my food prep not done those things all the chaos in the mind would still be there. I probably would have been late for work. I wouldn't have read my notes for my clients today. I would have been chaotic. I would have been so stressed. I might have come home from work and gone, oh, I need to eat something. I need to drink something. I need to do this. It's it's all within us. But there is, like I say, it all has got to come back to everything we need, we have, is available to us. We've just never been taught it. And we are in this society that wants a quick fix. You know, people come here and I can tell the people that are fully invested when they come and see me. Some people just come, give me a load of money and go fix me. And I say, right, if you do everything that I tell you to do, you will be, think, feel and do like a completely different person in five weeks. It's five weeks of your life. That's all I'm asking for. But I know that if they do everything I tell them to do, 
they will continue. This is a springboard, this five weeks. They, they will feel amazing, right? The people that come and sit here and whinge and moan and don't do what they're told to do, they want me to fix them, they'll get results, the light come in, but I, the transformation isn't as powerful. They will still go around wanting everyone to fix them. Yeah. Regardless of what comes up next. So mm -hmm. they don't come to me and they're transformed into a different person and no bumps in the road ever in their life again. When they come, I give them the, the tools to move forward in life that they can self-soothe themselves. I hardly ever, ever see a repeat client after five weeks. Nice. Now and again, I'll get someone come back maybe a few years down the line, maybe they've had a relationship breakup and they need just a bit of a support, whatever, but I hardly ever see anyone again after five weeks. Yeah, that's amazing to hear. It's obviously working extremely well. And, you know, I can really tell how in-depth you go, which is amazing. And, um, you know, managing, when it comes to like self-soothing and stuff like that, um, just kind of reminds me how I had a, a huge realization back in like October or November and I was like oh shit I'm actually an emotional leader <laughs> and I have been like pretty much my whole life and um I had never realized it so it was actually it was happening you know at that subconscious level but because I'd been doing a lot more you know therapy and, and journaling and actually paying attention to you know how I'm feeling and stuff like that I had that realization and I think I got away with it for so long because for the last 11 years, I've been really consistent with training and, you know, getting stronger and always focusing on, on something to do, you know, with fitness. And what were you eating? What were you eating? What was your trigger food? So uh, it, I wouldn't say it was a trigger food, but it's like usually uh, like an example, when I was living in, in Sicily, um I was feeling like pretty depressed for a couple of weeks and so I was literally making a huge big bowl of like spaghetti bolognese and um like passata and garlic and <laughs> typical you know Italian um you know bolognese dish so that was like my my comfort food that I was eating at the time but then after a while I realized like oh yeah I'm actually eating all of that because I feel depressed and feel a bit lonely and feel kind of stressed out a bit so that was a, a huge thing for me and I've obviously same as anyone else I've done it in the past with chocolate and jellies and sweets so you know it's both sweet and and savory food but that hasn't oh. happened at all the last few months now because when I feel that stress level building I'm like okay I, I know what I can do yeah so there's there's a there's a few different reasons for this the first one is the food industry isn't stupid it's quite sinister even with kids cereals they get together to to have meetings to make food addictive so the, the ratio to the carb and fat you will know this they get it absolutely perfect wrap it up in beautiful presentation of a packet and also when we're watching tv listening to the radio walking around doing our daily business we're slipping out of hypnosis all day long when we're watching tv we're in hypnosis what's the perfect opportunity to sell to people when they're in hypnosis when the subconscious mind's wide open they're relaxed there's music with binaural beats that engage the subconscious in the background and they sell 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 
So when you're down and depressed, what do you need? You need an, you need to outsource or, or fill the void. And you will maybe in, in um, a situation where there's a TV on and your subconscious mind is listening. And that's how the sellers all the, this stuff from cars to holidays to we're in hypnosis a lot of the time, right? That's one reason. And we become addicted because it tastes nice as well. Another reason is when you're first born, what's the first thing when you're handed your baby, it goes onto your boob and you breastfeed or you give it formula. That breast milk will give that baby so much comfort because being born is really traumatic in the medical system that we live in today. That's a conversation for another day probably, but the way we are birthed these days and in this country isn't how it was designed to be, let's say. So the baby's very stressed, lots of bright lights, you know, sometimes there's medical intervention that happens. And again, there is there is a place for that. Um, but that baby has been safe and secure and warm and cosy and not heard loud noises or bright lights for nine months. It comes out into the world and it's pretty tra traumatic. There's bright lights, there's smells, there's, there's chaos. And it's screaming. My daughter was furious that she'd been pulled out. So I could see in her face that she was really angry. First thing I did, she had the colostrum from me. That is a massive hit of fat, sugar, all the things that she needs. She's going to get comforted because she's in me, warm and cozy like she was in the womb, drinking a highly calorific, amazing drink from her mummy full of good stuff. So why do you think that everyone snaps on chocolate when they're stressed, sweets, carbs. We don't go and have an apple when we're stressed, do we? <laughs> I mean, there's probably some oddball that does that, but I haven't met them yet. <laughs> well, I do, personally, I do. But if you think that it's learned from the second we're born, we've been given that comfort with a supply of extremely sugary, warm, delicious milk. Mm -hmm. So that's that's our programming again. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And there's actually um, in Gabor Mate's newest book, The Myth of Normal, he has a whole chapter talking about the issues of the medical model when it comes to giving birth and talks about how it happens in other societies and, and why things are a bit broken, how it's done currently. So, you know, if you want to, I'm not just saying this to you, but anyone you know who's watching this or, or listening to this, that book is like a game changer for you know a lot of things that we consider normal in today's society. It goes through a lot of examples of how maybe they're actually not so normal, you know, and things have changed. And, uh, if if anyone suffers with anxiety, depression, trauma, they should lap him up. He's an absolutely amazing human being, and he's and he says things how they are. And he's got ADHD, which, again, that just seems to be a word that's flung around so much. And the reason that so much ADHD at the moment is because of trauma. And we can't self-soothe and self-regulate. Again, going back to your emotional intelligence is heightened before your intellectual um, you know, intelligence, like common sense and stuff. So a baby can't figure out you know like say for example I have I've, I've had quite a few um children come to me they're in the teens maybe early 20s and they've been they're adopted now they have the most amazing family that's taken them on shown them love given them an amazing life I mean some very opulent families have taken this baby on 
and the the it's it's a hang up that they have it's they've been discarded they're not wanted and not valued because that they must be wondering why did my mum give me up that's abandonment and I try and frame it a different way to them like it wasn't rejection do you know how hard it would have been for that parent to give you up you know look at the family you've got now thank goodness that did happen because your poor mum couldn't cope believe me this won't leave her and we do this a lot in therapy but again we're always trying to prove ourselves we're always made to believe that we're broken we're all flawed of course we're flawed we're here to learn but it's about accepting your flaws as well I remember and this has stuck with me until recently really I always thought there's something wrong with me and I used to even from a very young age I used to go to a lot of therapists um, I used to try and heal myself and it used to frustrate me because I used to pay to go see people and I was more I, I was more in touch with why I am than they they just didn't have the answers for me until I found hypnotherapy because for me going over and over and over with someone and talking about the problems day in day out that just creates those neural pathways in the brain and reinforces all your issues talking, 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 talking about something that's negative, to me, why would you do that to yourself? You can ring a friend for free, don't pay a therapist, you know? So with me, we have a chat, we use NLP to reframe what they're saying, um, and then we we hit it where, where it needs remedying. For me, my own opinion, talking th- therapies are great for realising why you act the way you are, it's a light bulb moment. But I used to come out of a lot of therapy sessions thinking, Well, I feel worse because I do know there's something wrong with me. I just don't know how to fix it. I know I am why I am the way I am from childhood stuff, from situations in life. But how can I fix this? And I wasn't meditating at the time because I was too young and it wasn't big like it is now. But it can be quite fun to have hypnotherapy because client I've got in later after this, this chat we laughed last session because it was a massive light bulb moment why your knee keeps popping out of a joint. And it was like, oh, that's the reason. And it was completely nothing to do with what the issue she came for. But there was a link. So it's really strange how our brain makes metaphors, how our body speaks to us in the language. But it, it is all remediable. And it needs to be taught in every school, in every workplace. There needs to be this education. In the NHS, it needs promoting. In every single military unit you know I mean it breaks my heart that these young men are going out and serving their country and think that they're doing the right thing and they come back with no sense of belonging with no real um idea of like what's just happened to them they've seen some horrific things and there doesn't seem to be the remedy there you know and they were sold on the promise that they were doing the right thing and then they come out and they're absolutely broken one of my clients said to me a few weeks ago he said you know like I said he's seen more he's more um friends um he's known more friends take their life than he's seen die in front of him if you went into um a business or say for example you went into Tesco's and did your weekly shopping and after you came out of Tesco's, you hurt yourself or you did something really distru- destructive. Tesco's would be closed down or someone would be finding out why. But these children at 16 years old can go into these situations 
And it's really strange as well. Something that I've noticed with two things I've noticed when I speak to clients that come for a presenting issue and then they kind of say that they were in Iraq or Afghan or whatever. And they, a lot of the time, they will not come back for the treatment because they are petrified of what's going to come out. Now, I always use the analogy as hypnothera a hypnotherapy course with me isn't going into a dark cave. It's going through a tunnel. There's always light there. And there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm with you the whole time. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to relive it in the way that you think. And, you know, it presents itself, like I said, in different ailments and issues and um, your relationships can break down. Nightmares is, an, is, another, is another one. But, you know, I, I, I just see the results. And in some ways I love it, but in some ways I get frustrated because there's not enough therapists that work with the subconscious to help these people out of what they have seen. You know, and another thing I notice, they can cry if their cat dies. They never cry about the experiences that they tell me about when they've been and served their country. It's almost like they've had to numb out, mm -hmm. you know? But like, I've been guilty in the past of this, detaching yourself from your body, disassociating, taking a tablet to make things better, actually saying, I wish the goddamn anxiety would bugger off. No, ask the child that's put the anxiety there what they need from you, parent your child. Like a friend of mine came for a session the other day because he split up with his girlfriend and he's like, this bloody anxiety. I went, no, speak to it nicely. What does it want? What does it need? How would you speak to your young child like that? Because we don't speak to ourselves nicely and it has an effect on us with our subconscious always being switched on. And how, how other people treat us as well. You know, if you haven't got self-worth and self-value and self-esteem, that's just an invitation to just get trampled all over. You know, it's no, you're no different from anyone else, just the way you think. My daughter the other day, I cringed and I thought, I'm not saying anything. She teaches me a lot. She teaches me a lot. And she looked herself in the mirror and told me how pretty she was. And I was like, and then I thought, yeah, you are. Earn it. Earn right. it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's really powerful when you have healthy boundaries and you know what that looks like, you know, so in your friendships or relationships, like an example would be, you know, you have a certain amount of time carved out just for you to go, you know, do a workout or, you know, go for a walk or, you know, go do something by yourself. And, and that's like a good healthy boundary to have where it's like, this is me time, regardless um, in a relationship with you or not like like you still need to be our own individual people or you know with your friends obviously some friends are better influences than others but it's like you know if if some of your friends are going out and they want to get absolutely pissed or going mad having the boundary of being like i don't mind having a few drinks but i'm not going to get pissed i'll have like two or three i'll i'll do what works for me yeah. you can do you can do what you want to do but this is where i'm at you know it's like you can respect that if you want and if you don't want to then like no worries but that's not yeah. what works for me you know? again we love the familiar so it's really difficult for humans to see people change people that they've been familiar with even destructive yeah. 
it's really, I've got a client and she's transformed her life. She was scared of life. She was scared of everything. She's lost two and a half stone. She was scared of flying. Um, she was anxious all the time. Um, her little one was starting to pick up on this. And she's transformed her life. She's now flown abroad. So she's on holiday. She said it was absolutely fine. There was no fear when she got on the plane. Now her, one of her family members is really struggling with how amazing she's doing because yeah. she doesn't need more. Yeah. And comes on to rescuing as well. Like I have clients come and they're overgivers and I'm a rescuer. I'm definitely a rescuer. So I've had to rein it in quite a lot. And I've got to ask myself, I can only help when I'm healed. Yeah. Also, rescuing is a sign that we are, we need to be needed. And, um, you know, rescuing people, it's a sign that we need rescuing ourselves. And we're not responsible for anyone but ourselves and our small children. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we project a lot onto other people, especially I think the most common thing to project is your own shame. So, you know, um, I made a quick video about this yesterday, but I didn't really go too in depth on it. But there's been a few different people that I've, you know, been working with. And, um, you know, they've mentioned because we kind of talked about limiting beliefs and like what's, you know, what's actually stopping you from really getting to being the best version of yourself, getting super fit, super strong, feeling really confident. And what's popped up for some people has been what some people have called them in the past. So some people have projected their own shame and they've called this person fat, overweight, whale, or on the other side of things, you know, anorexic, bulimic, skinny, you know, really horrible things that some people have said. And you know, all those people who are being mean were essentially projecting their own shame onto, you know, the people then that I've been working with. And so I think it's a powerful thing to know, because I, when I was like a child or a teenager, when people would be really mean and, and say nasty things, you just, for me anyway, I've like absorbed that. And it's like, oh, that's who I am. <laughs> but it's not, it's not who I am. It's like, that's, just them projecting what they don't like about themselves. They're the you know. anyway. It's not. Can you ask yourself, is it really true? And half the time, it's not true. Oh no, like it's it's not. But I think it's just a powerful thing to to realize. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, you are not the issue. Their shame is the issue. You know, happy people that are really happy don't have to be mean because it's not there. Happy people aren't mean. So when people have had abusive parents, for example, and I have I have a lot of this, like. Um, guy the other day he said I need to forgive my mum that's passed away horrific childhood um the abuse was next level and I said right okay let's go forgive your mum and he and this is another one that don't believe in any of this but I'm getting amazing results and you know during it, when he came out the session he went that's the weirdest experience I've ever had in my life it, I think it's his third session and this was online as well as, as abroad. And um, he said, Carrie, you won't believe me. He said, I felt someone holding my hand as I was talking to my mum. And I was like, yeah, that happens all the time. So either again, his brain has put that there or, or his mum was here. 
you know. Um, but going back to something I skipped over because I do jump around a lot because I get really passionate about talking about this. When I was in college, when I was training to be a reflexologist, I must have been about 18, 19. Um, my tutor was very, very calm, like very softly spoken, very calm. And I had discussion with her, you know, you're so calm and I'm the opposite. I'm like got bags of energy. I'm bouncing around all over. I'm a bit ADHD, I think. And you know, she said, but under the surface, I'm like a duck, you know. Um, and so she did say to, something to me that stuck with me and I've used it to my advantage. And this is going back to thinking that we need fixing. She said, when you calm down, you will be a really good therapist. And that really cut deep for me as a teenager. And I carried that for years. and. I've turned it around now I know how to use this to make it work for me. If I didn't have the energy I had, I wouldn't be able to get up at half past five, six o'clock and do all the things. I wouldn't be able to be a single mom. I wouldn't be able to, to be dependable as a friend, a family member. I wouldn't be able to have the capacity to do all the things that I do. I wouldn't be able to serve as many clients as I do. I mean, when I've told a colleague how many clients I can see in a week, boom, 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 she's like, oh my God. But because I've used that flaw that she saw as a strength, you know, there is not another you. So why don't you use your flaws that people point out as strengths? Why don't you use your crazy, chaotic mind to fill your schedule full of stuff, but have the self-care there as well to back up and increase your stamina and increase your grit? and you're the warrior in you to basically get stuff done. So I'm glad that I'm hyper. I'm glad that I'm all over the place. And I'm glad I'm a bit crazy ADHD because I need to get shit done. I'm a busy single working mum. Nice. You know, the so don't take things personally. Again, that might be her projection. She, met, she might have wanted to be more crazy. Exactly. But, Actually, that that lady, unfortunately, has had cancer three times because she's probably internalised everything, you mm. know, but she's, bless her, she's healed self with natural remedies, with food, with meditation. She's healed her cancer three times. So that's where her strength comes in of probably being that much quieter and calmer. But I externalise everything. If I've got a problem, like two of my friends, I chew their ear off. I'm a negative Nelly. They give me a window and then they give me a kick up the ass and say, what do you do for a living again? Give your head a shake, you know? And you, we're all human, but a whinging window is great. And even writing it down, it activates a certain part of the brain to dump your shit out of your body onto paper. And when you read it back, after a week, you learn, oh my God, that completely shifted. You have an argument with someone and it keeps you awake all night and it festers, brings up loads of stuff from the past and kicks your nervous system off and your adrenaline and cortisol again. You dump it on paper, it's out your body, it's done, it's dusted, you articulate what you want to say to that person and you sleep. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And uh, I think you had a spot on there. She, The way she was projecting her own shame or something that she didn't like about herself was that she, she probably wanted the energy that you had and so then that was kind of triggering her to to you know to put you down a little bit you know but that's an amazing you know gift that you have and um you know I was gonna just go back quickly to because 
we're a little bit over time. I know you need to go soon, but I was just going to come back to what you said about uh, kind of prioritizing yourself. It's like, that's something I see with so many people. It's like, you can't pour from an empty cup. So it's like when you've got work and your kids and, you know, your extended family or your partner or whatever, and and maybe your house or whatever, and you've got all this stuff in front of you, and you're literally the bottom of the list, then that just like manifests itself into more stress and, you know, yeah. huge impact. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm constantly saying to, to people that I'm working with, like, let's flip that around and put you number one and everybody else below that. And that's not being selfish. That's yeah. you, you taking care of yourself is you being able to take care of every, everything else better. We had a discussion about this when you came on my on my platform. As women, we seem to think it's great to wear this badge that we're worn out and we uh, do all the things. We, we haven't done ourselves any favours by doing all the things, by earning the money, looking good, looking after the kids, doing the DIY, cooking the meals. We've got to be all things because that's what's expected of us, right? Okay. And... I'm not saying this is in every situation, but women hold the house together. If the woman in the house isn't happy, doesn't everyone know about it? You know, you can tell the time of the month, everything kicks off. And if you've got more than one female in the house, it's not good. But you put the self-care in place and the self-soothing, the little rituals and the practices, whatever works for you. And literally, I do like five minute rituals. I do like maybe a five minute workout, five minute breath work, five minute cold shower because I won't fit it in otherwise and it get boring. We sat meditating for an hour that would just absolutely drive me insane. But women wear this badge of I'm worn out and I put everyone before before me. That I can see that turning. You know the way that um, drinking a bottle of wine every night, like mummy juice was cool a few years ago. Nine times out of 10, my clients don't drink. They've stopped drinking. And I think that's becoming the new cool. The new cool is the breath work, is the cold water therapy, is the being sober. That is the new cool of putting you first. That's a better example for our children. A monkey see, monkey do. I can't tell my daughter she's not allowed nails on and she's not allowed makeup on because she's seen me do it. So I've got to show a good example. So she becomes what, 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 what I am. Like I can self-soothe, I've got all the tools, I'm not perfect. Like I said yesterday, I said something that wasn't really acceptable. Um, but next time I do better, but I want her to see how she can take control of herself so she doesn't grow up wanting anyone outside of herself to fix her. And she has strong, healthy boundaries in place, which my daughter definitely does. She's the opposite to me. <laughs> Nice. No, that's amazing to hear. And I'm sure we could literally, you know, talk for hours and hours. We only briefly just covered some topics, but we could definitely, you know, organize another, um, you know, podcast for for future at some point if if you want. Um, but uh, just before we finish up, you know, for anyone who's watching or listening, where is the you know the best place to get in touch with you? Okay, so I've got a website, kerryswain.com. You can book a free half-hour consultation with me there to discuss anything that you would like help with. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I've just discovered TikTok. Um, so I'm quite enjoying that at the moment. So LinkedIn, I don't do much on. But yeah, just shoot me a message on any of those platforms. But um, YouTube as well, I'm trying to do a little bit on there. And there's some meditations on there as well if anyone wants to go check out 
um, some free content-free meditations. There's a sleep one, a relaxation one, and, a, and a, um, an anti-anxiety one. So there's plenty out there. And I'm developing an online course at the moment to do some like group work so people can work in an online um, course too. So, so yeah. Amazing. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And um, yeah, we can have a quick chat after, but I'll end the recording now. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to uh, speaking again in future. And so much. Thank, thank you for having me.